We invite you to open up God's Word with me to the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, as we continue our trek in this portion of God's Word, looking at Jesus' words, His instruction, His preaching, His teaching, and the famous Sermon on the Mount. We're in Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37 today. Well, the midterm elections took place a few days ago. We're now five days removed from uh, that election day, and some of uh, the results uh, are still pending. Uh, Some of the votes are still being tallied in certain places, and as different political candidates and parties and uh, media vie for particular outcomes, sometimes we're left wondering who's telling the truth. Sometimes we are left searching for answers for the truth. And as we open up the scriptures today, we're reminded that we serve a God who takes truth seriously. Let's look at what God says. Matthew chapter 5, verses 37, 38, and 39. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Matthew 5, 33. Jesus says, he says again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair White or black, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Father, we ask you to help us now, speak to us now, instruct us now, guide us now for the glory of your name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We may be seated. As a reminder, we're in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is uh, giving marks of those who are part of his kingdom. Uh, He's describing characteristics of those who are his people. He's describing the kind of life his true followers live. Not to gain entrance, because the door is open for all who will come in, but to demonstrate that they've received entrance that they know the God who saves and have received the gift of God's salvation. And so Jesus is unpacking what it looks like to live for him. What it looks like to submit to him and to, to follow the true king, to surrender to the Lord and to the Savior. What it looks like to live lives that are faithful to God's word as the embodiment of faithfulness to him. Faithfulness to God. In fact, we might say the whole Christian life is a life of faith in God that manifests itself in faithfulness to God. We saw a couple weeks ago that Jesus has just taught on adultery and then on divorce. And he begins this particular section, this Next subject matter with the word again, tying this section to that one. Again, you have heard that it was said, connecting oaths to divorce. In other words, lying and breaking the marriage covenant have something in common. Both have the same root, which is unfaithfulness. The always faithful God expects his people to be faithful. 
Now, Jesus is a master teacher. He is the master teacher. And central to Jesus' teaching technique is exposing sin. Exposing our sin, our failure to obey God, which is meant then to in turn lead us to turn to Him. To turn to God. Awareness of our sin should lead us to turn to God. And so right here, once again, Jesus exposes sin. And this time, it's the sin of lying. According to Jesus, we have an integrity problem. We have an integrity problem. The problem Jesus exposes right here in this passage isn't an oath problem. It's an integrity problem. The failure of people to keep their promises. See, just like what, with what God had said about adultery, just like with what God had said about murder, the religious teachers in Jesus' day made the Bible's instructions on making and keeping promises all about outward obedience to be noticed by others rather than true inward obedience out of reverence and honor for God. See, friends, God isn't so much interested in our religious acts. He's not so much interested in our outward religious expressions or or practices or appearances. No, God's interested in you. He's interested in us. The master cares about our hearts, even though we are a bunch of dishonest people. Human hearts are naturally dishonest. That's what Jesus is saying here. That's the greater context of the scriptures. We, we learn, we see that human hearts are naturally dishonest. This is why we have to teach our kids to tell the truth, right? We, we don't teach them to lie. They don't need any instruction to lie. You ever notice that? As soon as the child's backed into a corner from a very, very early age, as children, we, we learn to be dishonest. We, we know it's intrinsic in us. You ever notice that we always want to blame someone else when we or our kids have a sin problem? It's been that way ever since the fall in the garden when Eve blamed the serpent, Adam blamed Eve. We hear ugly talk even today from the lips of our kids. And we say, who, who taught you that? Where'd you hear that? Translation, who you've been hanging out with because it's about to stop. Well, this isn't one of those areas. You, you don't have to hang out with dishonest people to learn dishonesty. We're born liars. Lying comes naturally. For ever since the fall in the garden, dishonesty comes naturally to human hearts. Paul echoes the words of the psalmist describing the extent of our sin condition this way. In Romans chapter 3, he says, all have turned away. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. All have turned away. And that all includes the Bible teachers, the religious experts of Jesus' day. These Pharisees and scribes carefully worded their oaths. What's an oath? Well, a biblical oath would be a, a vow that's taken on an important matter, calling God as a witness to that oath. We have examples of this throughout Scripture, throughout the Old Testament, even in the New Testament. But the Pharisees and the scribes would carefully word their oaths, their promises, so that if they broke them, they could walk away feeling guilt-free. 
like a loophole in a contract, allowing an out. The ancients had a way of, of navigating around the truth in order to get their way. The ancients determined vows could be broken if they weren't made to the Lord. Swearing upon something less than the Lord. Heaven, earth, Jerusalem was the ancient equivalent to crossing your fingers in our day. Cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Remember that one? I meant to give assurance of truth with a veiled reference to God or eternity, but such a phrase only suggests we're dishonest people. Because if we were honest, we wouldn't need such silly little phrases to give our words more weight. Well, in the ancient world, to make his point... A man might say, I swear to heaven, I'll do it. Or, by Jerusalem, I'll, I'll be there. Such careful avoidance of God's name was an ancient way of convincing others without invoking God's judgment in case you failed to follow through. But such legalism only serves to produce Behavior modification devoid of inward transformation. And what sinful hearts need isn't modification, but transformation. Our hearts are naturally dishonest, dishonoring God. And to make matters worse, there is one who so opposes God that he loves and encourages our dishonesty. The prince of this world, Satan, is his name, the devil. The devil fans the flame of our dishonesty. Our hearts are naturally dishonest, and the devil fans the flame of our dishonesty. There's an enemy characterized by lies and deceit who lives his days conniving people to join his ways. He so hates and opposes God that he exerts all his crafty power to get you and me to listen to the evil impulses of our sinful hearts rather than see the beauty of the king's heart for us. But the king says, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Marked by sin, the, de- the devil loves it when we sin. Jesus says that those who believe in him are set free from sin. And become children of of God, children of our Heavenly Father. But those who reject Jesus remain estranged from God and reveal that they belong to another. To unbelievers, Jesus elsewhere says, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The devil is a liar and the father of lies. And when we fail to keep our word, our lives suggest we're reflecting the image of the evil one rather than the image of God. But we were made in the image of God to bear witness to the glory and the character of God. And though we've rebelled against God, the Spirit of God convicts the hearts of sinners so that sinners turn to Jesus for salvation. 
And sinners who turn to Jesus receive new life. This is good news. New life and forgiveness of sins. New life in which the image of God previously marred by the fall is restored so that we begin to reflect the character of our God. Jesus changes our hearts so we begin to reflect his character. He changes hearts. He's after our hearts. He saves sinners by his grace and those who are saved by his grace begin to be shaped by his presence and his character. He changes our hearts so we begin to reflect his character. We have an integrity problem. But Jesus not only saves dishonest sinners, but he changes dishonest sinners so they begin to live lives of integrity. Not as an avenue to salvation, that would be salvation by works, but as evidence of salvation, that they know the God who saves. Some theologians describe this in categories of positional versus perfected sanctification. As believers in Christ, we have a positional sanctification, meaning that we have a position of holiness. We're set apart. By God saving us and giving us, imputing to us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We have a positional sanctification. But the Spirit of God is still impressing the truths of God and shaping our character over the long haul so that we're growing into that righteousness. And one day we will have a perfected sanctification, truly living all the time, every day for the glory of God. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, and just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. And so when it comes to our oaths, our promises... Jesus says God isn't limited by our choice of words, by our use of his name or by any other formula we may use to suggest this time I'm telling the truth. John Stott stated it this way. He says, however hard you try, Jesus said, you cannot avoid some reference to God for the whole world is God's world and you cannot eliminate him from any of it. You see, as his people, God demands our words reflect his character, his honesty, his truthfulness, his faithfulness all the time. Jesus is describing how those who know him live, what it looks like to live in the world as salt and light in the realm of promises made, promises kept, and general honesty. Jesus is saying that kingdom citizens are honest citizens. That's what he's saying here. Those who are part of his kingdom, those who are his people, who know him, who follow him, are honest People, kingdom citizens are honest citizens. In other words, Christ's followers are marked by simple, straightforward honesty. So a few days ago, one morning my third grader was out at the street waiting on the bus to pick him up for school in the morning. And I was standing there at the door watching and he yelled back at me. He said, hey, daddy. I can't wait for the third grade ACAP test. 
I thought to myself, who is this kid? I don't know much about the ACAP test. I know it's a standardized test, and I've never enjoyed standardized tests. This must not be my kid. And I just sort of thought to myself, well, Paxton, why is that? And he said, because Miss Martin said we're supposed to sleep well and eat well. Which means I can sleep in on those days and I can eat whatever I want. And about that time, bus pulled up and that was the end of the conversation. I thought to myself, just such a simple taking someone at their word for what they say. This is what I heard. This is what I believe to be true. How how would we impact the world for the kingdom of Christ if we simply were such honest people, such honest, simple, straightforward people all the time that people just naturally took us at our word for what we said? Now, Jesus isn't eliminating all oaths. That's not the point. In fact, faithful people made oaths throughout the Bible. Jesus even spoke up in his trial when he was put under oath. He's not eliminating the legitimate use of oaths, but what Jesus is saying is that the honesty and integrity of his people should be so sure that oaths are unnecessary. In other words, the lives of Christ's followers should demonstrate that our yes and our no mean yes and no, that we can be taken at our word every single time. That's what Jesus is saying. The kingdom citizens are honest citizens. In church, in a day when dishonesty is the norm, when lying for personal or political gain has become the standard, when contracts are often broken, what say you? What say you? Are you believable when you open your mouth? Or do you stretch the truth? Do you fudge the numbers? Do you claim someone's el- someone else's work or accomplishments as your own? Church, because our Lord takes truth seriously, so must we. And so as we think about pressing this truth into the particulars of our lives, let's begin by considering our words. Consider your conversations. Take a moment and think about the conversations that... You have had in recent days. Consider your conversations and whether or not your speech has been honest. What have you said lately? On your expense reports, your tax forms, your timesheets. Students, what have you stated by the work you've turned in and claimed as your own? I well remember the first days of seminary a number of years ago. I think it was orientation of new students. I don't think classes had even begun, but the associate dean at the time, Dr. Paul House, gathered all the new students together and had some words about the dangers of plagiarism. Cautioning students to be people of integrity Not to use someone else's work as their own. Cheating, lying, and conniving abound all around in the world today. We know this, woven into the very fabric of our world. But Jesus says his people are to be different. 
Church, we're to be different. Kingdom citizens are honest citizens, meaning dishonesty dishonors God and misrepresents the gospel. So let's consider our conversations and where necessary, let's repent. Let's repent. Consider your conversations and second, catalog your commitments. Catalog your commitments. What commitments have you made? What a joy it was last Sunday to gather with church guests and other prospective members of our church of our starting point lunch and share with them our, our church covenant. And some of you, many of you have been around here long enough, not necessarily been through that process and the way that we've done it the last number of years, but that's what we do in starting point. We, we walk through our church covenant, our, our basic beliefs. What, what do we say we believe and And what commitments do we make on the basis of what we believe? How are we striving to live as a result of the gospel that we believe? We say things in our covenant like this. As followers of Christ, we will value worship. We will value worship. We say a number of things. We will value this. We will do this. We will value this. And under worship, we say we will devote our lives to worship God. We will strive to honor God by gathering together consistently, praying for one another regularly and serving one another selflessly. As members of this body, this is what we say we will do. How are we doing on that commitment? Or take another covenant, the marriage covenant we have considered in recent weeks, when you stand and repeat your vows before God and these witnesses, you are calling God as your witness. That's what we're saying. We're we're saying we're going to love and serve our spouse for life. And if I don't, God, you deal with me. What commitments have you made? Friend, how are you doing with them? If you're like me, chances are you may need to repent. And recommit yourself to honor your word and to walk in integrity that pleases the Lord and shines the light of his glory. Kingdom citizens are honest citizens. So let's honor our commitments. In short, let's be people who tell the truth. Tell the truth. Friends, we tell the truth because our God tells the truth. Always. God never lies. God is always honest. He is faithful to his word every single time. And so those who know him begin to follow suit. Do you you know him? Do you know the Christ who's calling his people to be truth tellers? You see, I wouldn't be honoring my commitment as a pastor and a preacher if I didn't tell you about him. Always oh, good. God that we've gathered in the name of this morning, the God that we've sung to and prayed to and confessed our sins to and heard from this morning. He, he's a good God. He's gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. He is a God who saves. He's a God who rescues and delivers through his son, Jesus, who is our savior, Jesus, who is the way and the truth and the life. He saves and he rescues. 
And he desires to change you and I from liars deserving God's judgment to kingdom citizens who not only tell the truth, but tell the world about the one who is the way and the truth and the life. So let's hear the truth. Let's believe the truth. And friends, let's be a people who tell the truth for the glory of Christ, for the good of his church, for the growth of his kingdom. Amen. God, help us do so. God, help us to honor you. God, help us to live for you. God, help us to know and to follow after you and to believe the truths of your word, to believe that you are who you say you are. That you are the eternal God, the almighty maker of heaven and earth, that you are perfect and righteous and just and true. You're true and you're faithful. Always faithful. And you promise to have an unfailing love. Your word says that you have an unfailing love for your people. And so, Lord, help us to rest in your love this morning and where we are, or where we are practicing deceit, deception, dishonesty. Spirit, convict us that we might confess those sins to you. Knowing that you're faithful and just and that you will forgive us of those sins. You always do. And that you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, where we are not practicing faithfulness to you, where we are not walking by faith in Christ and trusting in your word, where we are not proclaiming your goodness and your character and your story, Lord, stir us to do so with a faithfulness to you. And God, hear us even now as we respond to you. Lord, lead us to praise you. Lead us to confess and to praise. Lead us to faith in you. Stir us to faith in you. For the glory of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.